Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. And a lovely day it is here. It's uh, going to be pretty decent weather. A little wind, a little cloud, but a temperature mid-60s for the rest of the week, actually. That looks pretty good to me. That, that would be what I would consider to be fall weather. Um, none of the lows are looking at freezing. Okay, now that's central Austin, right? That's in the heat islands of Austin. However, those of you on the outer edges in the hill country, you're close. If you haven't frozen already, you may see a couple of days this week where it's really cold and you need to worry about your plants. What plants? Well, um, potted plants suffer greater temperature swings. And the problem with that is, of course, you could freeze a plant in the container and the ones in the ground will be fine. So keep an eye on your plants, check your local weather, make sure that you're finding out, hey, it's going to freeze today. All right, get ready, get out there, protect them. But it looks like pretty decent weather. Um, Next Thursday, there's this thing about 50% chance of rain. That's pretty far out. I'm wondering if that's going to go up or go down from between now and then. Hopefully it'll go up. We we really, really need the rain and it's just not coming yet. We should get it soon. Um, sooner or later, we're gonna get drowned and we're gonna get a ton of water. But until we do use it wisely, Even though, okay, even though that we're talking cooler temperatures, which means your plants don't use as much water, you still have to check them out. Best water detection device in the world is at the end of your arm. Stick your finger in the soil. Determine, is that kind of damp sponge or is it muddy or is it bone dry? Use that to determine what to do about whether or not you should be watering. And as always, deep water, slow soak, best you can do for that. No runoff, and your plants will be just thrilled with you, just terribly thrilled. They'll be happy as can be. We're getting some late blooms, 
I have my uh, Mexican mint marigold suddenly erupted. Pretty plant, lovely yellow flower, um, but it normally is losing its blooms by this time of the year. Mine has decided that it's going to put on blooms. This weather has been so weird. And that's the word for it, weird. Weird weather. We don't know what's going on. Plants are blooming that shouldn't be. Trees are trying to fruit, and they definitely should not be fruiting. I have some killer fall color. My uh, honey locust, oh my gosh, it's like a big yellow light in my yard. It's got beautiful fall color on it. For what it's worth, I'm watching my crepe myrtles turn colors. They're getting that, getting ready to drop my leaves color to it. Um, I have pomegranates and they are turning yellow. I would never have considered pomegranate to be a good fall color, but mine have been Several years in a row now, I have turned this lovely yellow color, just shining color. And uh, I have a row of them, so I have this yellow fence line, better than I could have painted it. Um, one thing you should be looking at, a lot of you want to run out there and deadhead flowers. Well, you you're not going to get a whole lot more growth. You're not going to get things like coneflower or salvias to put on new growth and bloom again this late in the year. But what you are doing is you're denying the wildlife, basically our finches and other small birds, our songbirds, the opportunity to get seed. The coneflower seed head, oh my gosh, it has all these seeds in it, and the birds love it. Salvias, those little seeds after they've bloomed, the birds will come and pick those out. I get them on my Texas sages. They'll bloom at the right time of the year when, when the weather indicates rain, and the birds just flock to them to try to get all the seeds out of them. Um, that does lead to the situation where my Texas salvias, uh, Texas sages, excuse me, my Texas sages, I have a zillion volunteers. If it weren't for the fact that they're volunteering in places that I mow, I would have a forest of salvias. I guess that's a good thing that shows how strong and industrious the plant is, but don't get so carried away about cutting stuff back at the moment. So much wildlife, especially our avian friends, the goldfinches, the, the house finches, the purple, purple finches, they love those seeds. That's a great food source for them, high in protein. And it keeps them healthy. With this cool weather coming, they're going to need to beef up some to be able to handle it. So leave them the seed heads. 
let them first feast. You can cut it back later. Let them have their share of the plant. Um, They definitely need it. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the phone. This is Karen. Karen, what can I help you with? Well, I just heard you talking about leaving your cone flowers and heads in the garden, and it's a perfect time to tell you about a workshop taking place at Zilker Garden next week that's about that very subject. You'll walk through the garden and be thinking about winter ecology and how you can let your garden rest during the winter and feed the birds and the insects by letting those different plants just stay there. And then after walking through the garden and seeing some of those things, you'll dissect a coneflower head and go home with some harvested seeds. So it's, it's perfect mm-hmm. to what you were just talking about. You know, um, we try to grab our, our coneflower seed heads earlier than now because there's plenty of other food for the birds. And we'll scatter the seeds, and we just get patches and patches of coneflower. But at this time of the year, this is one where we leave it for the birds. So this will be great for folks to see what we're talking about and how, I won't say being lazy, but (laughs) not being so aggressive at cutting back the garden, what advantage it provides for the wildlife. Yeah, and it is hard sometimes because I think we become so crazy about seeing those dead things and moving them out. But the workshop is called Talks and Walks in the Garden, or TWIG, and you want to meet outside the garden center at Zilker at 11 o'clock, and then the walk will start moving through the garden and end up at the Oak Grove at noon. And it's all um, free with admission to the garden. Hmm. Well, that sounds like a good way to spend the day. And... uh that's a long ways away, so I'm not guessing on the weather, but it looks like it may be decent and warm enough, no freezing, thankfully, to be out in the garden and just uh, kind of relax, take in nature. Well, and if it should be cold, it's also Yule in the garden, and so the conservancy will have hot apple cider and hot chocolate. So there's a lot going Ooh. on in the garden next Saturday. Well, you had me at hot chocolate. So, um, I, uh, Karen, I, I appreciate the call. I can see lots of folks coming and picking up a lot of great ideas from this. And um, free coneflower seeds, that, those are wonderful. You'll, you'll have coneflowers next year on your own. Okay, take care. Thanks. Thanks, Karen. Yeah, folks, coneflowers... <clears throat> We would uh, save some of the seed heads earlier in the year, not this late. We'd leave them on the plant this late, pluck off the seeds and just scatter the seeds wherever we wanted. Didn't do anything fancy and large numbers of coneflowers started coming up. They took a beating this year, no doubt about it, but they're still going and the birds are loving them. 
Let's go to the phone. This is Ken. Ken, what can I help you with? Yes, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I have some Texas sage that over the years have uh, kind of gotten out of control. They're probably a good six feet in height. How far can I cut those back? Well, that's the height they'd like to be. That's okay. what you would consider their natural height. You could probably easily, with the Texas sages, remove a third. So you could shape them, trim them down to about a four-foot-high hedge and not hurt the plant. Okay, and the best time would probably be in, what, January, February after the freeze? Um, yeah, after a first frost, so you know they're dormant, even though they still keep their leaves, they're evergreen, they're least active after that frost. So that would be a safe time to go, okay, I'm going to trim them down. You can technically trim them any time of the year, but you just can't cut back as much as you can while they're dormant. So first frost, First good freeze, you can remove up to a third of those plants. Okay, I appreciate your information, and I enjoy your show. Thanks for the call, Ken. Yeah, folks, Texas sages are awesome. They, <laughs> when I put them in, I was really impressed. The beautiful purple flowers that they produce, you know, there's several several kinds of Texas sages. They're not all the same. Some have different color bloom. Uh, I have white ones that bloom white. They look like big blobs of, of uh, cotton candy when they're in bloom. And there are different leaf styles, different leaf colors. So there's a lot of variety in this plant. What I didn't realize is just like those birds who are plucking the seeds out, those seeds are falling to the ground, and I got little starts everywhere, everywhere. Um, even places that are really far away from where I planted them. And I'm going to have to uh, clean those up somehow. I get lucky because... Where they're coming up happens to be a place that gets mowed. I just can't go too long because they can get a pretty heavy stem on them. My riding mower doesn't have a problem with them. Sometimes my push mower is like, wow, this is kind of thick. But the rest of the plants, those that are in the ground, look great. Nothing better than when they go full purple on you. They burst into full purple because of rain. Let's go to the phone. This is James. James, what can I help you with? Morning. Um, last time I tuned in, you were talking about asparagus, and you said that we needed to mow them down, rake them up, and then put down about a half-inch layer, well, weed the bed, and then put down a half-inch layer of compost. I've got them mowed down and raked up, and I'm working on uh, some weeds in the bed. It's about a 75-foot-long you know, bed, and uh, I'm, I'm working on the weeds. 
once once I get them cleaned up, can can I use the twenty percent vinegar? Because I kind of got behind last year, and and the weeds beat me up pretty bad, and I was wondering that twenty percent vinegar that 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 won't hurt the asparagus if I get it on there uh, too bad, will it? No, uh, James. Especially if you're cutting the asparagus flush to the ground, the weeds should be standing up for you, or be real obvious. So with just a little bit of care how much you're spraying, that should work fine to help get rid of those weeds that are in there. I do have a question, though. You've already trimmed them back. Did you get a freeze? I'm sorry. I, uh, I didn't hear that. What would you say, Jeff? Did you get, did you get a freeze already? No. Okay. Normally... You've got a big bed and you've got lots of other things going on too. You're you're okay with what you did, but normally you would let that first freeze kill off all those fronds. And then you would go out there and cut them. You're okay. You didn't break any rule or anything like that, but it could be less work if you let it freeze first and let all those fronds um, fall over dead from the frost and then you cut them out if you've cut them out now that's fine that's fine they'll they'll do okay but you can use the horticultural vinegar just try to target the weeds only if you're cutting all those fronds and you cut them flush there should be no asparagus exposed to get any of the uh, vinegar on them. Oh, okay. okay. Um, that that's that was my question, and I asked you about um, uh, fertility on the onions um, a while back, and you made some suggestions. But uh, Stuart Frankie out of Medina has a product called uh, Super Grow Plus. It's a sixteen percent. Uh, liquid fertilizer. See, he sent me some of that, and uh, it's got uh, molasses and humates and seaweed and all kinds of good stuff in it. And I was gonna, instead of the ammonium sulfate that the commercial guys use, I was gonna use that sixteen zero two with uh, a little bit of uh, growing green and a few other magic powders to see if I can grow some whoppers. Um, next year. Uh, um, Medina makes great products and that not being ammonium sulfate sounds like a very good fertilizer. So if you're going to do that, make some notes and let us know at the end of the year how they did so the rest of us can do the same. Yeah, we might even have have good luck and have a big onion contest. Yeah. James, thank you much for the call. Uh, I got to take a break. We're at the bottom of the hour. We're going to break for the news. Um, Jane and Stephen, I'll catch you on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590. 
Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, let's go to the phone. This is Jane. Jane, what can I help you with? Hi, good morning. Um, I love your show. Um, Thank you. I have a few questions. Do you want me to ask them all at once or one at a time? Uh, up to you. Okay. Um, first of all, I'm uh, trimming back all my um, garden, flower garden plants. My lantana, esperanza, is now the time to do it or do I need to wait until later? Because I'd like to clean up my garden a little bit. Um, the esperanza okay, does have some blooms on it. Okay, don't trim the esperanza. After first freeze, all the Esperanza shoots that are coming out of the ground will freeze. The leaves will fall off of them. There won't be any blooms on them. That's the best time to trim them back. And you can trim them flush to the ground. You'll get all these new shoots next year, and it'll be a bigger plant. Lantana. Technically, you could trim it now, but... If it's growing well, my lantern isn't blooming, but I've got a ton of green. If we get that frost, you can cut it back to maybe a four-inch tall stub, just so you can remember where the plant was growing. There's no real reason to cut it back now. You're not uh, you're not helping the plant, and um, It'll react differently once it's had a freeze. Okay, so just probably wait as long as I can to cut those back? Sure. After the freeze? I, uh, you want to at least wait until we get a freeze, or you get a freeze. Where you're living, you may get it before uh, I do. I'm north of you by a bunch, so probably I'm going to freeze before you do. But mm -hmm. that freeze will take out the uh, both the lantana and the esperanza for you. And then is a good time to go clean up. Okay. Okay. Um, the second question is, I have a huge red tip that um, was supposed to just be a bush, but now it's like 20 or feet tall or more. And it is getting real leggy, and I want it... I wanted to trim it down so it's, um, it, you know, down to maybe 12 feet tall. But it's almost like a tree now. It's with a bunch of different um, um, branches coming out. Um, so it's as tall as a tree for sure. Do you, Can I cut that back now or should I wait until February? Well, here's your And problem. how far back can I cut it? Can I cut it? 10 feet down? That may be a bit much, though it's a photinia. They don't really care. You can probably go out there with a chainsaw, cut it flush to the ground, and it'll come back next spring. That's how strong oh. they are. However, photinias get 20 to 30 feet tall. And if you're pruning them, that's fine. Just understand you're going to have to do that all the time. You may not have to do it every year, but those plants want to be tall. And as long as you fight them by pruning them like that, they're just going to keep growing. I didn't say you can't do this. You can shape that plant all you want. 
<clears throat> but if you do, we be uh, try to limit to taking a third of the plant at a time. That okay. is a relatively safe number, regardless of shrub, to be able to cut it back and not really affect it. And what would be the best time to do that? You could do it now. They're, um, they try to be evergreen. Um, you, you could do it now, but again, it'll be less impact on the plant if you can wait until we have that first frost or freeze. Okay. Um, thank you. And the third one is um, I'm raking up all the thatch from my um, poor St. Augustine grass that didn't make it through this awful summer. And so can I incorporate another type of grass seed into it to make it hardier for next year? And, um, maybe take start uh, mixing two grasses um, so it would survive the summers better? No. <laughs> Sorry, here's the reason why. Um, the St. Augustine is kind of a shade grass. It doesn't like blazing hot direct sun all day long. And grasses that do like that, that can manage that, well, they will overrun the St. Augustine. So you'll wind up with a whole lot less St. Augustine and a whole lot more of the other grasses. Plus, the other grasses like Bermuda and uh, Zoysia, they only come in sod. You can get Bermuda seed, and it grows well, but if you're in a shady location where the St. Augustine is, the Bermuda's not going to like it. The Bermuda wants full sun. So your part of your trade-off is going to be, what are you looking at for sunshine to help determine what kind of grass you can grow there? And you may wind up going, wow. We got beat up in the summer, but guess what? St. Augustine is going to be the grass because it's under trees or something like that. Um, or you're going to have to go, well, I got blazing sun burning down on my St. Augustine. I need to replace it. And the other grasses that will do really well there, um, most of them are going to be sod. So you got to kind of trade off as to what you want for a turf grass. Yeah, most of the St. Augustine, which was the original grass planted here, um, we had a huge oak tree, and then it came down, uh, fell down with the wind in uh, Hurricane Harvey. So that's where all the St. Augustine is dying because it's not shaded there anymore. But the other part of the lawn is doing okay because there's a huge pine tree there <laughs> so um half the lawn well, is good with saint augustine but i'm sorry maybe a a quarter of the lawn is good with saint augustine but the rest is full sun so they're planting um, another tree 
You can always do it that way. Put in a new tree. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, and what do you thing? suggest? We had an oak tree there, um, but we just don't know. We'd like a clean tree that doesn't leave a lot of droppings, um, leaves and acorns and all that. Well, <clears throat> that would require not going with an oak tree. Because if you don't want a lot of acorns, you plant an oak, oak drops acorns. You can use, you can put in another pine. You could put in... Um, Western or Eastern cedar tree, you could put in a big juniper. They grow fast. They grow large and they stay evergreen. You the could juniper? do uh, the junipers do uh, the Arizona cypress, which is a blue looking tree, does well in the Texas environment. I got a 20 footer that's uh, survive the freezes and the heat. So that's a tree that will manage here. Um, stays evergreen, doesn't really drop anything. Um, the other trees you could do like one of the elms, but it's not evergreen. So here, I got a source for you. Okay. Go to grow green growgreen, one word, dot org. It's the City of Austin guide to what does grow here. And it goes from turfs. You can understand what turf grasses you can grow all the way to trees and everything in between. And it will give you options where you can look and go, I need something that handles full sun. And they'll tell you this plant handles full sun. And that way you can make choices as to what you want, not just for the tree that may work there, but also for the ideas you can get behind the turf grasses. But it's a okay. free source. It's full of great, great information, um, flowers, turf grass, trees, shrubs. You can get it all in that one location. Okay, that's very helpful. Thank you so much. You bet. Um, Jane, I'm uh, coming up on a break. I need to take a break, and I will be right back. Stephen, I see you there. Thanks for the call, Jane. Uh, we'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. <clears throat> Let's go to the phone. This is this is Stephen. Stephen, what can I help you with? Hey, Jeff. Uh, appreciate you. Um, so my question is care for ryegrass. I live in Driftwood, and my lawn was totally dead from the drought. I didn't put one drop of water on it all summer. And I raked it, and I put down 50 pounds of ryegrass, and my God, this thing is so beautiful and lush and yeah. green. Um, it's uh, really, really nice. And um, when I mow it, I try to mow it 
when it's dry, but boy, this ryegrass really is like holds water because it really gums up the uh, the mower. I got to clean the the mower uh, out, and I got the blade really sharp, right? I, I know that. Question for you, mm-hmm. Jeff, is what would you recommend the preferred height? I've heard two inches to three inches, and I just mowed it yesterday, and I got it down to three inches. Okay, um, <clears throat> you could probably cut it down another half inch. Yeah. Let it go to four inches tall, mow it down to two and a half or so. Yeah. That way you're not, well, you're still going to gum up your mower. Um, that's one of the things I get a real problem with during spring mowing when the grass is all green. I got to yes. like blast out the mower deck to get all the dead grass out of it. Yeah, this, I guess the dry grass really is holds water. Cause it, uh, it, yeah, you know, it handles our weather here. Morning, dude, I, I let the grass dry out. It's like, oh, it looks like it's dry. And then I mow it, and it just still, you know, gums up it, everything. Yeah. It's, but it's I think a, my mower only so goes well. like, it doesn't go in halves. It's like you're either doing two or three, so... Then cut it to three. Yeah. The more yeah, three, grass three, you three have. pretty good. Yeah. But, uh, okay. Uh, appreciate it, Jeff. Um, you take care and uh, talk to you later. Thanks for the call, Stephen. Um, folks, that is something about ryegrass. It thrives in these temperatures. So it will be If you use it properly, it will be dense and green and a bear to mow because, like Stephen said, you mow it and it gums up in the mower. So make sure that after you mow, you get your mower cleaned out. Lay it on its side, blast it with a water hose to get the chunks of grass off from under the deck. That'll make your mower last much longer. And it also makes it cut better. Let's go to the phone. This is Keith. Keith, what can I help you with? Yes, sir. I am being given for my birthday a couple of pecan trees. But I don't know the best variety to plant in the Texas Hill Country. I live in Blanco. And uh, I've been told that any pecan with an Indian name is good. But I understand that there are some other newer varieties that are that are also good. Do you have any recommendations? Um, I do not want to talk about this for a sec. Can you dig a deep hole? I'm talking yes. 36 inches in, deep. In fact, I, what I understand is that these will be dug out. They're, they're older trees, so they'll be dug out and brought in and uh, and planted so we there and we can dig a big hole good good the pecan wants to be able to set down a deep root that really helps it out a bunch as for varieties it would be best to get two different ones pecans two different varieties right pecans are not really self-fertile. 
pecans, there are two kinds. One that release pollen and then can accept pollen, or ones that can accept pollen and then release pollen. It's a really fancy combination. Um, I would suggest connecting and checking out um, Texas A&M. They have information on pecans, the varieties that work here, and which ones would help the other. Now, you can plant a pecan, and more than likely, it'll give you pecans. But when you plant uh-huh. two that'll help pollinate each other, they will do so much better. But Texas A&M pecans, they've really worked to research it, get good trees here, etc. And they will have a real good guide as to what will work for you in Blanco. One of the most common ones is called Desirable. It does pretty well on its own. It, it, it does better with a pollinator, but it produces a pretty good nut and a lot of them with a, a fair amount of meat in each nut. Um, Kiowa is another one that does Kiowa. well here. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Kado. They, what they was that again, the last one? Kado, C-A-D-D-O. Part of this is going to depend on what's available to you. And if you take a minute to look up these varieties on the A&M website, they'll let you know uh, Desirable will pollinate Kiowa, and Kiowa pollinates Desirable, and that's really going to help increase your pollen crop. Excuse me, your pecan crop. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Hey, I got to tell you, Keith, patience, planting a new pecan. Now, it sounds like you're getting pretty big ones, but it can take five years before it'll produce a pecan. So That I understand. Okay, yeah, that patience goes a long way, but it'll definitely reward you once it starts producing them. Well, thank you very much. You've been very helpful. Well, thanks for the call, Keith, and enjoy these plants. If you're getting the bigger ones sooner, it won't take long to get that first crop, and they'll be delicious. Um. Let's see, what do we got going on? I don't have any callers at the moment. And, uh, oh, when do you cut back a morning glory? Okay, short story. I planted morning glories in a corner by my front door. Grandpa Otz, that purple is unbelievable. And... It didn't seem to come back the next year. So I planted a different purple vine, uh, purple leather flower, it's called. And sure enough, late in the year, my purple leather flower is blooming, blooming like crazy at the moment. 
and I get these stray morning glories blooming in it. And they're almost the exact same color of purple. If it weren't for the distinct difference in the size of the flower, you wouldn't notice it. When would you cut them back? First frost. That will, that will knock the morning glories back. They are not frost hardy. A freeze will really smack them back. And be prepared because they've been reseeding themselves all year long. So at that first freeze, shear them down and stand back because you'll get them, you'll probably get them all back next year and it'll be an even bigger fence. So consider that if you've got morning glory, you may have to cut it back. <clears throat> you may have to cut it back to make it uh, really be intense. Planting a morning glory can be a risk. They reseed so easily. You may have lots and lots of them and uh, hard to change out to a different flower. Folks, this is Gardening Not Naturally. John, Larry, I see you there. I got a break for the news. I'll catch you on the other side.